0: Grace point, I jumped the gun a little bit, saw that there, sorry about that. Well, I want to bring greetings from Grace Bible Fellowship Church, uh, my church. Um, they wanted me to share with you guys uh, a great hello, and also they wanted me to give you an air hug, because we're a hugging in church. Um, as you know, my name is Alan, I'm a pastor with Grace Bible Fellowship Church down south, and uh, I was asked to task or task with uh, the word this morning, and I'm so excited. It's always good to visit our long lost cousins. Um, I consider you guys family, and you guys, the elders at this church, have been pivotal in my my growth as a pastor. Also, so as we go through the text this morning, there's a couple of things I want you to realize and some things I want you to think about throughout the process. First, God's word is his word. And let me say that one more time. God's word is his word. And as we, in our own personal devotion time, we are to learn the objective truth of his word. Amen? So this morning I am tasked with the parable of the sower and the seed. And as as we've been walking through this series these last few weeks we know that parables are designed to catch people off guard and to elicit an immediate response. And Jesus himself he speaks in a lot of parables. And one of the things I want us to realize here especially with this parable and all parables it it focuses us on the issue in a kingdom response. So, so before we get started today, I just want to give you the big idea up front so we can relax and we can get ready to embrace what God has for us this morning. The big idea this morning is this. As, as a Christ follower, we'll love, understand, obey, and communicate the word of God. This parable this morning is the parable of the soils is designed to do literally one thing, and that is to make us observe and ask our own selves, what kind of heart do we have? It is one of the preeminent passages of of self-examination. And the question I would ask, or I would have to ask myself, is how I receive God's word. And this passage makes it clear it's not an issue of the gospel message or uh, its skill or its method of presenting the gospel message. It's it's more along the line of proclaiming the gospel message. And also it's a determining factor of how the heart of the individual who receives the gospel message responds. Now, in our own lives, and I share this with my church all the time, when someone shows you who they are, you have to believe them. Would you agree? If, if, If I show you who I am, you would have to believe me. And this is one of the things where we have to literally watch from our own heart, our own mind, how we accept and embrace and act on the word of God. Paul says it clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 5. He he says it this way, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Jesus made this criteria very clear, and it's a criteria of obedience and subjectiveness to and submissiveness to his word. When we hear God's word, we must act on it. I love what D.A. Carson says about this passage and I quote, he says, the parables of the soul not only says that the kingdom advances slowly and with varied responses to the proclamation of that kingdom, but implicitly challenges hearers to ask themselves what kind of soils they are. Some of us have been Christians for a long time. Some of Some of us have have been on evangelistic outreaches. Some of us have been a part of ministries for a very long time. The question we must ask ourselves, and this is where we truly have to dig deep within our hearts, how do we respond to God's word? In verse 4, the scripture reads, and when a great crowd was gathered and people from town after town came to him, he said in the parable. So, in other words, we see specifically from this context, we see a large crowd coming to Jesus from various cities, from various areas within the country. There were people from all backgrounds, they had all types of places that they came from, cities, villages. And they were surrounding Jesus because they wanted to hear what he had to say. Now, in this, in the context of this, we know that Jesus Christ himself was surrounded by phony and fake Pharisees and Sadducees. He was surrounded by hundreds of people who were fickle at best and some who claimed to be his disciples but were not his disciples. They wanted to be around Jesus. They wanted to experience the miracles. They wanted to hear him talk. But at the same time, they were not for Jesus. So Jesus addressed the people who wasn't right with him. And it all comes down to this. How serious are you about understanding and applying the word of god now in verses 5 through 8 we see from one perspective we we see the action or the delivery of the parable in verses 5 through 8 i'm sorry it says a sower went out to sow his seed and as he sowed some fell on the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it and some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns grew and with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In verses 5 through 8, we see this parabolic instruction. And what we see specifically here, it's designed to conceal the truth. Now, what we must realize specifically here, as this mystery unfolds, the mystery in the Bible is sometime previously revealed by God with interpretation. And a mystery within Scripture must be interpreted. And it must have God insight. And one of the things I would share with you this morning if we are able to understand God's Word, we want to actually know what it means and ask God to enable us to know what it means. It's very simple. If you are a Christian, If you are coming to understand what God has done and is doing in your life and you are in your daily devotion of his word, the best thing you can do is to ask. How many of us, by the raising of hands, when we read scripture, sometimes believe that it's complicated? We all should raise our hand, right? If you didn't raise your hand, I need to come sit next to you so you can explain it to me. But we need the supernatural revelation of the Holy Spirit to give us application and interpretation of what he is saying. And what we see specifically here in this text, Jesus gives us an agricultural example because in this time, this was a hugely agricultural society. He starts off by saying some of the seed fell by the roadside. And Jesus was referring to those beaten paths. I'm, I'm from the South. And in the South, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of woods, there's a lot, and a lot, a lot of grass. And, and what happens is that because there's not always a paved road, you would see, if you just walk in the south, you would see these roads that just look like they come out of nowhere. If you walk down them, it's a, a tight, compact road with grass and weeds on one side. And, and you see, you can see the travel path because even if something was to go on that road, it would not stick. What Jesus is saying specifically here that some of the sea that was spread fell on that path, that hard, compacted dirt, and had no chance of penetrating the hard rock soil. Then he shares the bird of the air came and ate it. Then we see some fell on rocky soil. And when we see this rocky soil, it's, it's referring to rocks. Not, it's not referring to rocks that sown and soil with rocks and boulders, but what it's referring to, it's referring to those rocks that were sown underground. So just like we live here in Las Vegas, I don't know if you've ever had a pool built, but there's something called caliche. Are you familiar with caliche, right? So the digger you deep, sometimes you have an, a great opportunity to running into a hard bedded rock. So this seed that was placed on this soil, even though it was placed on the soil, it could not really go deep because the roots couldn't go deep because the rock was there to stop it. And when the rock was there to stop it, it withered away because it didn't have much moisture to survive. Then we see this next parable. He says, Some of the seed fell amongst thorns. Now, the word thorns is a general term in this category of something that, in other words, the same thorns that was placed on the head of Jesus. These are prickly weeds, these are they're useless, and they're harmful. And they gave no nutrients to the crop. But what we see specifically here in this text, we we see that these weeds grew faster. Than the good plants. So these weed blocking the sunlight, consumed all of the water and the nutrients from the soil. And the thorns grew and they choked out the plants. And finally in verse 8, we see that Jesus himself was telling them a parable. And it's interesting, in the middle of the parable, he calls out He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, I don't know about you, but I I think there's a difference between listening and hearing. I heard my mother a lot growing up. Uh, You're guilty because you heard your mama a lot growing up. But did I listen to her? I would say no. (laughs) There is a difference here in in this parable. And it it is situated right at this particular point where Jesus is saying, and he calls out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In order to hear, in order to have ears that hear and actually understand God's word, we need God to sovereignly work in our lives, not only to make us hear, but also to work in our hearts and our minds to make us react. The people heard the audible sound of Jesus' teaching, but they didn't know what it meant. We see that some of the seed managed to fall in the good soil and it grew. And we see this soil was soft and deep. And that is it produced, it produced a hundredfold. It produced an amazing crop. And it was a a far above average yield that we see and that the farmer himself expected. Verses nine and ten, we read, It says, And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now, this is one of the things I love about a transparent relationship with Jesus. Jesus just got finished teaching. And as he just got finished teaching, his disciples themselves asked, what was the meaning? They were listening. They were apart, part. They were those folks who were around Jesus 24-7. And they lived with him 365 but at the exact same time as Jesus himself was saying this parable, they pulled Jesus to the side and say, OK, look here, bro. Look here, bro. I-, I don't understand what you're saying. And what we see specifically here, we see that interpretation must be granted by God and so that we can understand what he is really saying. Just like I would say at this time, if, if you have been married for a long time, you and your wife have code language, Right. You know your right code. Just look at your wife and say, baby, I know your code. Go ahead. For those who marry, you marry, don't do it yet. Don't do it yet. Do not do it. Stop it. Don't rush it. Wives, look at the husband and say, I know your code. I know your code. And what we see specifically here, the disciples themselves are, are asking Jesus, what did he mean by this? Jesus himself singled them out. Only they were supposed to know. And they were supposed to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But what we see specifically here also, Jesus says to you, it's been given. But he says for others, it's in parables. Why? Because Jesus did not want those who were not supposed to know to know. People speak of Jesus, but they were not seeking God. Paul writes it clearly in Romans chapter 3, verse 11, and he says it this way. No one understands. No one seeks God. And also. When we come to this particular text, we see the darkened mind of humanity. Humanity. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 18, it says it this way. They are darkened in their understanding and alienated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. In other words, God did not want everyone to know the formula. And he was truly sharing it with those who was right. And God is sovereign in everything, and he's sovereign even over those who truly understand his word. And who doesn't? The ability to understand God's word should never be taken for granted. Because it's truly a gift of grace that God gives to those who he saves. Now we come to the interpretation of the scripture. In verse 11 through 15, Jesus now interpretates the scriptures to his disciples. He starts off by saying, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these... Have no root. They are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast. In an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Jesus himself identifies the seed as the word of God. Notice, we are to understand truly who the soul is. Now we know from a, 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 an objective perspective that Jesus himself is the word. The word was in God. The word was God, Right? But what we see specifically here, what he talks about, the seed itself was the word. But who is the sower? Who is the sower? It's those who understand and proclaim the word of God. Remember I shared with you in the beginning, this is all about self-inflection. It is all about what we are to understand. It is all about Scripture itself and how we interpret it and how we apply it to our own lives. This message has to deal with salvation. He didn't specifically name the sower, but what we see, he identifies himself in the explanation of the parable. And since the sower was really not the issue, anyone who proclaims the gospel message itself is a sower. So if you're sitting here in Grace Point today and you understand the word of God, you yourself are one who sows the seed of God's word. Amen. You should get excited about that. You are sore. Now, what we see specifically here, the roadside soil is God's word will be responded with satanic rejection. And what we mean when it says this roadside soil, and as Jesus is interpreting this, when the word goes forth honestly and accurately, Satan comes in and he comes by to take the word away. He starts in the heart. Now, this, I want to make sure we understand it from a presupposition. This word from, when we look at it in the Greek, it means from beside, not from within. See, whenever God's word is actually taught, Satan wants to cause people not to respond to it in their lives. In fact, when there is failure to respond to God's word, it is the devil's work himself. And Satan does this through proud and arrogant rejection in opposition to God's truth. Pharisees would hear the word taught, and they would hear the truth, but they would proudly and arrogantly reject it. And people who were right with God, they humbly received God's word. Satan is out to to bind the hearts and the minds from responding to God's word, And, and what we see specifically here is that Satan can do this even inside of the church. How many of us have been in church and we have plans? Instead of listening to the preacher preach and the teacher teach, your mind goes. I know right now some of you are thinking about ribs. (laughs) And I can tell by the laughter you are. Hot links, potato salad, chicken wings, greens. Mac and cheese. I ain't talking about the stuff out the box. (laughs) But how many of us hear God's word, and when we hear God's word, our mind is somewhere else? We get to a place, and I can tell you in my younger days as a Christian, I was a part of a ministry, and, and I would love to interact and talk with people about the word of God and what God taught and, and what, what do you get. And, and, and nine times out of ten, well, maybe that's too high. Let's just go 50%. Since we're only dealing with 25% that gets the word of God in this text. The worship was good. The worship was awesome. Oh, but, but I forgot about the word. There is an all-out assault on the mind and the heart of those who are supposed to love Jesus. Satan does this sometimes through false teachers. He does this by embarrassing those who want to identify with Jesus Christ Paul says it clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 3 and 4 he says this and even if our gospel is veiled it is veiled to those who are perishing in their case the god of this world has blinded their minds of the unbelievers, to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Do you see the point here? This is critical. There's a real battle between God and Satan in regards to the hearts, the minds, and the soul of those who hear the word of God. The word of God has the power to transform the heart. And Satan and his demons don't want that. If you are in in Christ. You have the right and the ability to understand and grasp the word of God. And the wise thing to do. Is when you come to church. Church. It's to ask God to allow his word to get into your mind and your heart and not allow Satan any ability to take away the truth from you. The rocky soil is when God's words go forth and some people have a shallow emotional response to it. Have you met any people like that? Do you know any people like that? Don't look to, you, don't look to your right or left. <laughs> it is all about emotionalism. I love Jesus weeping and crying. But then life hits and they forget all about Jesus what we see specifically here, it, it pictures those who, who makes this superficial profession of faith. These people seem to, at first, be the opposite of the hard-hearted ones represented on the roadside soil. They, you would look at it, they, they would be far from rejecting the truth. Uh, When they hear it, they they proclaim it, and they initially receive the word with joy. They're not only interested, but they're receptive. But their excitement doesn't last for long. See, the the problem is, is, since these have no firm root. They only believe for a while. I would share it with you this way. In the life of a believer, perseverance marks genuine faith. Let me say that one more time. In the life of a believer, perseverance marks genuine faith. We don't give up, we don't quit. We keep going and going and going. That is the mark of a true believer. When, times, when hard times hit us, we continue on. We continue to pursue. But with these folks, it is an emotional response. In other words, it's too heavy for me. I want you to notice something in this text Jesus Christ does not try to emotionally motivate this crowd in any way we've all been to or seen or observed motivational preaching and speaking when you get motivational preaching and speaking what happens is that it only motivates you for a short while I've been motivated But sometimes the motivation starts because my heart is not in it. And what we see specifically here is that Christ puts no stock in trying to manipulate folk. There are some very good preachers who are very good manipulators. And what happens is that because they are manipulators, they they don't really have the heart of God. And, And what we see specifically here is that emotional responses prove nothing unless those responses line up with the word of God. The Bible never tells us to feel anything. Now, that may be an afterthought. The Bible itself tells us to what? Know. We must know the word of God. We must know where our relationship stands with Jesus. We must know how the spirit moves within us. Then we get to the thorny soil. The thorny soil is that they listen to the word of God, but the cares of the world chokes off any real commitment. Now, we see the seed that fell among the thorns. And then we see another seed, another group that have heard the gospel and they initially have accepted it. The soil itself appears good, but it's hard packed. And now we see specifically here in this context is that we see the seed that is planted this seed sprouts but they are choked out by the worries and the riches and the pleasures of life in other words this type of seed it is preoccupied by a worldly heart and it is swept away by deceitful riches In verse 14, we see three things that uh, chokes out the word of God from the the Christ follower, those who believed that they were Christ followers, and the commitment to Jesus. We see, first, we see worry, worldly anxieties, and and worldly cares. I, I don't know about you, I have stopped watching the news. Because it's depressing and it's discouraging. I lead an organization, and one of the conversations I had with one of the team members there, Pastor Allen, do you know what's going on with the banking system? Let me share it with you. You ain't got enough money to worry about it, all right? (laughs) Preach, Pastor, preach. You can't say amen. You got to say ouch. Oh, the world banking system, we're getting ready to go into this this one world currency and it's a sign of the time. Stop it. <laughs> Riches. Worldly wealth. Abundant level of living. And pleasures. This hedonistic lifestyle of pleasures. This, all of these things choke the word of God out. And, and their priorities bear no fruit. They will not come to maturity. What we see in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, John writes it this way. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, I would share with you from this perspective, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the things that God graciously provides. But we can't allow those things that God graciously provide have us. And that's the problem we have sometimes as believers. We get ourselves into debt. We try to keep up with the Joneses. I'm not a Jones. I tell you that right up front. We do things because other people do things. I I even had to stop looking at Facebook. Because I would see some of the friends that I grew up with and that I played ball with and that we went to school together. And I can look at all the Facebook pictures of what they're doing, where they're going, the trips and all this other good stuff. And me, I'm just a poor little pastor in Las Vegas, bi-vocational, taking care of my wife, my three kids. And guess what? I got a grandbaby. I'm Pop Pop's baby. And she is the cutest little thing. I'll cut somebody over just just that. I'm sorry, y'all got my messes messed up. Sorry, I wouldn't cut you. But see, our priority is to seek the kingdom of God. There's nothing wrong with experiencing and having the things that God has given us. But when the things that God has given us have us, then that's an issue. And we seek things more than we seek God. The final response, and I, I will share with you this way, the, the priority of the Christ is to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things would be added to you. And this is where we understand the true value of the gospel one would willingly give up their possessions. I should be able to walk to you right now and say, hey, just write me a check. <laughs> Look, by the sum of the last, that's not going to happen. <laughs> but we should be able to hold those possessions that God gives us loosely. Now, what we get here is the good soil. The last response With the good souls, God's word will be responded with an honest commitment. In other words, what we see, this encompasses not only good works, but it's accompanied by salvation. And what we see specifically here, it's the attitude that the fruit produces. And, and what we must truly understand specifically here is that conviction, it prepares the heart to receive the gospel and it is the work of the Holy Spirit and salvation itself is that is the evidence of the fruit or the seed that is planted on the good soil. We see three types of people that do hear the word of God. But they aren't right. But the last response is right. What if I share with you this morning? Out of everyone who's in here, one out of every four people in here are planted on the good soil. How does that make you feel? Come on, talk to me. How does that make you feel? If one out of every, So let's just do it. one, two, three, four. Oh, you're out. <laughs> you're in. The other three are out. But well, I'm just saying, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. But just so just, I want you to I want you to practically understand how serious Jesus is about following him. He is not talking to the world. He is talking to the church. And what has happened is that the church effectiveness is not effective because three out of four people inside of the church are not planted and follow God's word precisely. This parable, especially for those who are bearing fruit, They themselves give a hundredfold. And what we see specifically here in this text, one of the things I want to share with you, they bear fruit with patience. We live in an instant society. We live in a society where you can go and get and buy anything and everything you want. And because we live in that instant society, we think that our success in the gospel message should be instant. Now, God willing, some will. But as we walk out this whole life of salvation, what we see specifically here is that sometimes we are going to have patience and we're going to have to have patience. And I believe from my own personal perspective, my subjective truth, you know, how people tell you this is my truth and then your ears kind of perk up because they start to get weird? <laughs> is it just me? Have you ever heard somebody say like, yeah, this is my truth. Well, if your truth don't align up with, sub- with the objective truth, your subjective truth is trash. Well, maybe I shouldn't say it like that. Maybe I should say it like a pastor. <laughs> Let me just say it like a pastor. Well, if your subjective truth does not line up with objective truth, then your truth is trash-ish. You don't you like the way that sounds? That sounds a little bit better, right? <laughs> but the fruit that will be responded will be responded with patience. Is that trouble will come. Tough times will happen. All those things that we've experienced will take place from one perspective and will take place in our lives. But it is that perseverance and the patience that keeps us and validates our salvation. We don't quit on Jesus because Jesus doesn't quit on us. Amen. This parable. Parable will cause those with a right mind and with the right heart to do some honest self-analysis. That is my hope this morning. I, I hope that as we've walked through this text, that as we leave today, we would do an honest self-analysis of our walk with Jesus and allow Jesus to tell us, what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong amen father we're so grateful that you've allowed us to come together this morning and as we understand your text and your word lord we just ask that you would just continue to walk with us that you would give us the ability to understand the full message of salvation and not just allow us to focus merely on the blessing. But allow us to experience those blessings in alignment with what you have for us. We know in this text that the soul represents four types of soul, and it represents the conditions of the souls of the individuals who hear the gospel. But my desire, Lord God, is that we would be those individuals who would not only hear the word, but we will be planted in the word and we would bear fruit a hundredfold. It is in Jesus' mighty name we all say amen.